Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. Combining questions, trivia and games, every episode we're challenged to watch a piece of film history to decide whether it deserves to be remembered for all time in our movie vault. With every film chosen in our previous episode, it's the perfect way to watch and discuss along at home. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a snippet of what to expect in today's episode. This is a film starring John C. Riley and Jonah Hill. And this film in Japan was presented as My Important Person and Her Shitty Son. <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. I'm your host, David Osger, and I'm joined by the ever-animated Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. Konnichiwa! <laughs> I'm glad you did it, rather than me butchering a language this uh, this week. I mean, to be fair, if there's going to be one of the two of us that we trust to speak Japanese, it's clearly going to be me. I was thinking that, I was thinking that. <laughs> I was like, we're talking maybe about our history with anime and stuff today. I was like, Craig could probably cover that a lot more than I could. <laughs> yep. Will this be the only instance of me actually speaking Japanese? I don't know. We will see. <laughs> we'll be like that song. We'll be turning Japanese. So uh, we alluded there, Craig. Uh, we talked about movies well worth watching, despite duds along the way. So just to tease the audience at home, as usual, uh, do you think today's movie is a dud or well worth watching? This film is very well known for being an incredible technical marvel, especially within the anime industry. And I think on those grounds alone, this is a film well worth watching. Well, we'll uh, be talking all about why uh, this film we're discussing today is well worth watching. Uh, But first of all, uh, we need to find out how we got to this film, uh, how we got to this discussion, what we talked about in the last episode. And I'll see today as well is our 60th episode, which is very fun. We recently, uh, a few months ago, celebrated our 50th episode. And uh, now we've been going through these fun string of movies. So it's a good chance after having uh, five episodes in which we've kind of like linked each film to the next to kind of recap uh what we've been talking about over the past few weeks so craig can you uh give us a bit of a rundown on uh, how we got here okay so i'm gonna do my best football commentator impression here so we started up with Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes using the Guy Ritchie connectors brought it into Snatch, excuse any of the innuendos, because of the Snatch connection, because of the idea of the British charm as well as the driving that brought us into the 1969 Italian job. Because of that focus on Michael Caine and specifically on his career, that took us into the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight intercepting them with the idea of chaos and the, and the focus on that philosophy into a town called Panic. Town called Panic being an incredible animate, animated marvel took us to a different aspect of the ad, uh, of the animated world, bringing us with anime. So today, scoring the goal, we have Akira. Woo! <laughs> nice. It's kind of like in school when I had to do that character, which was like the traffic commentator doing it like a, uh, like a race racing commentator. 
yeah, sure. If we if we're gonna compare, you know, <laughs> uh, grapes to seeds, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a fun way to go through it, definitely. In terms of how, how we got there, definitely, probably our guests are now their cogs are turning in terms of like thinking about what they might be suggesting later. They're like, oh my god, what, what are all these links that they've previously given? What are my links gonna be? It's a, it's gonna be a fun one. Uh, but yeah, we got lots of uh, topics and themes, etc., to discuss, and uh, we are glad to be joined. Uh, by two previous guests uh, who have always been experts for us in the past. So let's now go to those uh, aforementioned guests. So first of all is our resident expert film buff and film journalist. It is Stefanos Flakis. Hello, Stefanos. Hi. <laughs> uh, also getting in there with the... <laughs> With the, that's the that's all I'm going to say, because if my Korean mother hears me speaking Japanese, she's going to bleed me out of the wheel. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, good to be here. I definitely have a lot of things about Akira. And yeah, um, but also always glad to be here talking about films and all the malarkey that I have wasted my life into. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but you know. Again, Korean mother, so... <laughs> I just think uh, it's of... nice to hear that your Korean mother listens to this podcast, so I just want to say a special shout-out to uh, Steph's mother. Hello, Mrs. Florakis. I'm assuming that's your name. <laughs> no, uh, Mrs. Lee. We are progressive. Oh. Okay. Hello, Mrs. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we love your movie knowledge on you, Steph, and uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've uh, been able to catch up, but usually when you are on, we are talking about things from history or some kind of big franchises etc uh we've also talked about things like the oscars and stuff in the past because you're somebody who stays up to date with all like the newest releases watching television as well as movies as well so what's some of the highlights that you've had recently you know whether it be now within 2022 because i guess it's still kind of early days for a lot of our uh, film and tv releases uh or whether there's still anything that stands out to you from the past few months yeah, there's a lot, especially now that we have, uh, not officially, but we have really entered into this year for some big releases. Uh, of course, I already booked my tickets for Doctor Strange, uh, and spe- especially the earliest IMAX showing, because I don't want to get spoiled again by some fans from the previous screenings, because that has happened multiple times now, and I'm really pissed, so I don't want that to be the case ever again and now and this weekend we have the northman which i am very interested because i heard that only the people who know about viking stuff will understand it i know nothing about the vikings so i'm really looking forward to it but as for anything that i've been watching now uh there are uh, several shows that i've been that i've started or keep watching or now they're just recently finished um apple tv plus has some amazing stuff at the moment uh last week it was the finale of the show called um severance which i don't want to explain it because i think the beauty of it is the exploration of the show on your own way uh, but it's fantastic i think this could be the next big mystery drama that a lot of us been wishing for, uh, which also proves that Ben Stiller is a fantastic director. And I'm very glad he finally shows that in a sort of form that can be experienced by multiple people, in especially a demo- a demographic that probably wouldn't have anticipated that from him. 
And another one show from Apple is called Panchico and Ace. Oh boy, talking about my Korean mother, it's 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 a lot. It's beautiful. It's tragic. And and if there are people who love Korean drama, this could be it. But you know, proper production quality and proper tears and everything, and I love it. And I know by the end of it, I will be broken emotionally. Yeah, and it's like we previously discussed, isn't it? Is that explosion of media from that side of the world, which has become a bigger thing now since Parasite, Squid Game. You know, there's a lot more of that showing up on Netflix, other streaming services, which is great. And uh, yeah, well, we always, you know, take your uh, recommendations very highly as well. Like I know for myself, loads of people online talking about Arcane, etc. But then once you had said like, oh my God, watch it. I was like, okay, you know, I think... I definitely need to watch this now, considering this is so highly recommended by by Stefano. So very relevant, I suppose, this week when we're talking about animation. Uh, well, and we've discussed with you, Stefano, a lot in the past, like said, franchises, big movies, etc. And we, somebody we've also discussed through big movies with is our good friend. Uh, he is an actor and science fiction fan. Uh, welcome back, Christopher Maxwell. Hello, Chris. Japanese introduction. <laughs> You've gone with the more, yes, like yeah, I'm not, I'm, gentle yeah, approach. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't try and uh, butcher my way through that one, but I uh, thought I'd keep him with the theme. Um, hello, everyone. It's good to see uh, or hear from you all again. Yeah, you could you couldn't go with the Japanese bow because just nobody would know that you're doing no, that. I guess. No, <laughs> also my back is just really bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get back. That's it. <laughs> um so chris uh yeah well we was talking you know previously you've been on talking about things like disaster movies i believe last time you were talking about the atrocity that was uh pudsy the dog the movie when you joined us for our 50th uh, celebrations yeah. so probably you're happy now to be on something that you actually enjoy and um a kind of an expert on unless you consider yourself an expert on talking dog films um uh, not an expert but uh, i think my experience is enough to uh make me want to never go through that again um so it's worth it's worth a, it's worth a million dog films talking dog <laughs> films um but yeah no I, i'm really excited to be uh talking about this one um i can't wait to be, get into it i i think this is one of the few, first few things that got me into anime well you know talking again generally about that enjoyment of anime because like i said previously we've talked about you know your love of science fiction things like you know 80s movies things like alien etc or just whether they be like silly action films um but yeah we've never really touched on things like anime so so what is your experience with anime what what kind of like knowledge experience do you have with it is you know akira one of the main ones or do you still have like a wealth of other sort of series and films that you watch uh i wouldn't say a wealth but i i i'm very much i follow um, certain animes quite regularly now. I'm not. A, I wouldn't consider myself a diehard. I wouldn't consider myself someone that um, spends all their time watching it. But uh, if it's something that catches my interest, I will definitely watch it. But I think ever since uh, Akira, it's been. It, it's made me look at it and be like, I want to watch more of this because it, it really changed my perception of what anime was. So it, now I, I, you know, I will seek out anime in the same way that I will seek out sci-fi or horror if it's something that i i look at and i go oh that's interesting it will immediately capture my interest and i'll give it a go 
Yeah, well, we'll get into a lot of those themes and those topics as we're discussing uh, Kira today, but also we'll be uh, discussing anime a bit more broadly when we go through our question of the week. So today's question is, can animes work as live action adaptations? So Akira... Absolutely not. Yeah, next! (laughs) So obviously uh, Akira has been one of those films that's quite often been speculated. Will there be a live action adaptation? People like Jordan Peele, Christopher Nolan, you know, have been like thrown around the project and stuff in the past. And then I guess we've had some duds that have come along and maybe put the brakes on that but then even when you look at the world of anime when you look at japan there's even actually a lot of anime adaptations which are made in japan or of series and that kind of stuff so apart from just even hollywood like the kind of like disney remake element there's also like a big theme of doing this within streaming within television uh by some of the people who originally made the animes in the first place Steph, you have a big experience of like television, watching, you know, big massive series. Netflix has got big into like anime in the past few years. Uh, but we've also had uh, some movie adaptations as well, which have done some pretty shady things in terms of representation as well. What What is your kind of gut reaction on the whole thing? Well, I, I would talk about the Asian board's Carl Johansson. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I want to be positive. I want to have a good note and be more open about it, but... No, it's not gonna lie. This is doesn't look good. I'm even right now. I'm just scrolling to all the lists of live action shows or TV based on anime, and I'm like, damn, this is not looking good. If the best one I have is the JoJo Bizarre Adventures made in 2017, that is not a good one. And so, ugh. Generally speaking, I don't have issues with live action adaptations in general. I think if you put to the right people uh, with the right context and with the proper sort of quality in the matter of production, but I don't necessarily mean that it needs to have 100, 200 million dollars. No, I'm talking like the right amounts for what they want to do and they need to do, it could work. So far, it hasn't. And fortunately, it's not even just an American thing. Especially in Japan, there's so many live-action shows and films based on anime or manga and such that they really do not work at all. It's almost like trying to appeal to a Western audience with something that it was not intended to be for a Western audience and loses the magic that the original source material had. And and it becomes so diluted. And so with that said, I don't hate Detective Pikachu. I don't hate it. It is for the demographic that it is. And for that demographic, it works. But so far, that is the only exception I can think of. And I can see why... They haven't made Akira yet because Akira is very difficult to translate it into live action, especially to how the whole film progresses from a futuristic crime drama to a thriller to an action piece to horror and then to a disaster film. It's like, 
how can you have that kind of levity and balance in a live action film, especially how much it costs? It's it's impossible. It's impossible. It's maybe it's possible to some degree, but not in a two hour film. And but with that said, there are some live action films that I do believe could be characterized as anime. And what do we mean by that? I mean, Shang-Chi and then Legend of the Ten Rings, the final battle, that is pure anime. This is the, the whole idea of super-powered martial artists fighting on dragons with water splashes all over the place and just watching the one frame like, yeah, this, this, this could be a... This could, this could be Dragon Ball. This is literally could be one of those things. Or there's another film that came out in America, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's called uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I'm just seeing a trailer of it, and I'm like, yeah, I could see a lot of anime in this. Because it's so bonkers and outrageous that I never thought it would work in a live-action film. And that seems to be working. I haven't seen it yet, and it is one of my anticipated films of the year. But based on the reaction and critics and the audience, I think it seems that it works. So I do believe it's possible. But based on how our Hollywood system is, and unfortunately how the live action side of cinema in Japan is, I think it's going to take a long time to get to a point of being like, to being comfortable saying, Oh yeah, live action Akira. That makes sense. And I think like you were saying about when you've got examples like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, there's been there's like lists out there which are like the best and worst adaptations. I think I've seen some which did use Detective Pikachu as like a good example. I think Alita Battle Angel is also one that people talk about a lot as like a good adaptation. I can't speak personally from somebody who like was away or knew that manga but a lot of people were very happy with that and kind of consider it very underrated um i saw other ones in terms of assassination classroom has got kind of a good response i guess uh that is kind of like hailed as one of the better adaptations and then you know it's it's difficult then to kind of go like oh this is a beloved one but you know speed racer is definitely one that stands out there in terms of like they committed to the the adaptation and the style of anime that that film definitely goes all in on that and i suppose that's something that can hold back certain live adapt live action adaptations is that you're like well this just doesn't capture the visual flair and and the advantages you get with animation where speed racer kind of did have the balls to go well we will do that in in some uh respect but then obviously we've had as as we mentioned ghost in the shell some very bad adaptations uh, of television shows in some way i guess you could call like last airbender almost anime-esque adaptation in the sense that you know the original cartoon is very influenced by anime and then obviously we don't talk about bruno we you know we don't talk about dragon ball <laughs> dragon ball evolution <laughs> jesus this is why i'm generally have a very hardline stance against this i think a lot of anime very much to define themselves not necessarily just on like the actual animation but a way in which a lot of things necessarily unfold and there's often especially when you come to action heavy stories there's often a significant beauty to a lot of their explosions uh and a lot of way in which the action plays out just 
it is so hard to actually replicate in a live action style, which doesn't just take you out of the experience. Dragon Ball Evolution is a particularly triggering one because even if you just take out all the ways in which they just completely disrespect, uh, like the initial, uh, the initial material, right? They, they make Goku a horny teenager in high school who gets picked on. Like they call the energy bending. It's like, hang on. That's, that's something else. And just the energy blasts look pathetic in comparison to you think of something like the Kamehameha in the show and it's just a consistent, powerful beam as opposed to just something that just looked like wimpy air coming out. Also, just the ability to fly, I think, is something that live action is still not perfected. Hell, the fact that the, fact that the live action Japanese version of Shingeki no Kyojin was as bad as it was, I think, is also an indication of that. There you had people who understood exactly the the horror and menace of what that show was meant to be and still couldn't pull it off in any significant way. I just think people need to get in their lanes and just stop. Chris, what was your thoughts, especially the idea of, you know, this film, which, you know, you've loved and, and as you said, introduced you to anime going into the to the live action realm? It's an interesting one because I think I'm very much of the idea that a lot of things can be tried in different ways, but I'm also of the opinion that, do you need to? I think that's a bigger question that sort of easily asked is, do these things need to be done? Um, you know, I, I, I think with a film like Akira as well, there is potential. And you look at the way films are made now and the way uh, effects have come along, like there is a lot of potential that you could probably capture a lot of that feeling. And, and that's the thing as well with adaptation you kind of have to go one of two ways. You either have to go completely opposite direction. You have to basically put your own spin on it, change a lot of it, and, you know, effectively loosely base it on what you're doing, or you have to commit to it. And um, I'll give an example of one that I, I watched, which was, um, was an anime I watched years ago called Gantz. And that's a pretty heavy anime. And I watched the live action, one of the, fir- the first film, actually, the one film, um, I think there were like four or five. But I watched it and it was pretty much shot for shot. Like they had the same characters going out the same way, the same villains. And then it, it sort of ends the same point where the anime ended. But it went in a different direction following the manga because the anime had a very abrupt ending. And, but I watched it, I went, yeah, this is pretty much the exact same thing. And while it was impressive, I just sort of went, I could have just watched the anime. And I think that's probably the the difficult thing is sometimes it's like, oh, it could work, but it's like, it already exists though. You know, I think it's like the argument of remakes, you know, you have to really think is, do we need to do it? Like with a film like Dragon Ball Evolution, I know we touched on it, but like Dragon Ball Evolution went so far in a different direction that it may as well have just called itself something completely different. I mean, Dragon Ball Evolution was a better Power Rangers adaptation than the Power Rangers film that came out a few years ago. Like it, it's, so I look at it as like, there's potential, but then I also think, do you need to? And I think with anime as well, one of the big appeals of it is that more often than not, it's, ad- it's an adaptation of a manga and the art style is pretty much straight from the page. So you're already getting, like when you talk about comic book movies and they talk about how in comic book movies, 
it's almost it's, it's difficult to lift from the page. You get that with with anime and the voice acting and the voice performances. It's it's another very different thing. It's if I was going to give a, a, an answer, I'd say yes, but you've really got to be careful. You've got to commit to the bit, and and if you are going to try and try something different, you've really got to be you've got to be very creative, because well, the reason I say yes as well is that anime, the anime style has influenced cinema heavily. This film that we're talking about today, Acura, has influenced cinema heavily. Um, and like anime fights have influenced film, like movies like The Raid, you know, the fighting is so, like it, you would think that that's, that's anime. That's a very anime style of fighting. And like even comic book movies today are, are like borrowing influences. So I think it can work. It's just, you have to be very careful with it. But then you also have to ask the question, is it necessary? Do you need to do this? And if you're going to do this, are you doing it for the right reasons? Or are you just doing it to cash, to cash grab? And you, you'll, you'll always know if it's a cash grab because it, it won't be very good. Our chosen film this week, uh, which is Akira, which is from 1988. Uh, and this film is a secret military project in dangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath who can only be stopped by a teenager, his gang of biker friends, and a group of psychics. Uh, so this film is uh, a very famous anime. It's done, you know, a lot of influential work, as we've mentioned. The director is Kachiro Otomo. Uh, with writers Kachiro Otomo, uh, also joined by Izo Hashimoto. Uh, this is also adapted, as we've mentioned previously, with other adaptations and other source material uh, that often comes along with these animes, uh, from a manga, which was the 1982 manga of the same name. Uh, the production is sort of known for its big budget and uh, has sort of influenced a lot of cinema for years and decades to come often top in those kind of like all-time best anime lists uh known for its like revolutionary animation it's kind of symbolism and the kind of imagery from it the bike the you know the shots within this film have all can kind of become synonymous with with anime and with sci-fi as well because there's so much overlap i guess with other stuff um and kind of leads the way in a, a lot of that kind of like sci-fi neo steampunk kind of vibes and especially this being in the 80s was a big vibe then of these more darker grittier uh stories that we were getting at that time um as well so uh first of all i think it's kind of important to as we've already mentioned is first experiences with the film because it's been out for a long time it's been very influential uh some of us already mentioned how it's kind of influenced us um Steph, you know, you've talked about lots of other, you know, different projects, but, um, you know, Akira is no one that you've kind of mentioned. Yeah, what, what is your experience with this film? When did you first see it? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you watched so much. When can you remember? Yeah, <laughs> it's not even. It's not even that. It's funny enough. It's a similar way of how my relationship is with the Matrix, uh, which, funny enough, the Matrix very much was 
influenced by Akira. So, so it's always one of those films that I've always been around the zeitgeist. I've always been around. I've always known about it. And I'm pretty sure I did watch it when I was younger at an age that I definitely shouldn't have seen it. But yeah, but like, like you said, there's certain frames and imagery that is so much its own thing that it is from there and you know it's from there and they've always been in my hands. So I'm not really sure where was the first time. I definitely rewatched it when I was a teenager around the time where I was trying to revisit with a lot of classics or get introduced to some genres that I wasn't really familiar at the time. And also multiple times later on in uni when <laughs> me and my friends definitely being very sober and watching it and having conversations about it. And I remember the one time where for some reason we put it in German. I have no idea why, but it made sense. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it is definitely one of those more influential films that like we've said. And especially after you see, you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the thing from The Matrix. Oh, that's, that's the thing from all the 2000s action films. Uh, this, and especially with science fiction where you go even deeper, uh, seeing a lot of the mystery behind it. The fact that you don't particularly know what exactly is happening, but you know there's a meaning. And the good thing is that it don't particularly always reveal all the answers, which is always one of my favorite things, but also extremely frustrating. And on also, of course, one of my favorite anime shows, films, uh, Evangelion. Not necessarily took notes, but it definitely to some degree while the show was on the run because it was during that time of the anime height in, in the West. So I do have to say, I do think, I don't think it's the big masterpiece that a lot of people believe, but it still is a great film. I still believe it's a great film. Don't attack me. <laughs> uh, I think it's absolutely magnificent to what it does. I, but I think the issues I have with it is, is far more of my own taste with film. That's all. But beyond that, I I can see why it is what it is. And yeah, um, and, I, and I don't think I would change anything about it because what it wants to do, it does it very well. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think it's, it is kind of one of those of you know, your David Lynch or Paul Thomas Anderson of like, you know, you either are into it or you're not kind of aspect. You know, Zack Snyder is very much one of those filmmakers as well of like has, has those fans. But definitely it is one for me, especially when I first watched it, it was kind of like, oh, wow, okay, I can see why this is so famous. I can see why it's so influential. And like you, maybe everything in it is not like my favorite thing, but I'm like, but I think you put it quite well is like what it wants to do it does very successfully so I can't hold anything against that film so I think it is very much like you know perfect in in the sense of like a sci-fi film and a anime film because it's doing all of the things that those are known for and being very big and bold with its ideas and you can see how influential it is and it's kind of like when you watch a lot of those early films like 2001 etc you you can appreciate it for just what it's given us and where it's led us uh Chris what 
you know, I guess this kind of combines for you, isn't it? Your overall thoughts would kind of be the same as, you know, your, your experiences with it. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I'm going to have to agree with Stefanos on that one is that I, I do think it's a good movie, but it's definitely not like, I'd say it's set the bar for anime, but that bar has been exceeded many times over. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's a bad film, but I think Akira did everything very well for the time and it works and it clearly works. It's why its influence is still being felt to this day, but like a good, um, trendsetter it's been it's been succeeded but i going back to why i think it is so popular though and why it's it's done so well for me i first watched this i think i I think i was 10 when i watched this um you know at the time i was so too young (laughs) yeah i think at the time it was either sci-fi channel or cnx in the uk where they aired it and at the time you know again big Dragon Ball Z fan. And that, you know, was heavily edited. So I wasn't even getting full fat Dragon Ball Z, but it was, you know, I did see Freezer get cut in half and I did see, you know, like people getting shot through the stomach and holes going through them. And like, that was like, oh my God, that's so cool. But like, it was incredibly tame. So then one of my brothers knew about this and he was like, you should stay up and watch it. And it was on late. So we stayed up and watched it. And I just remember, like, it, it blew me It blew me away just from a visual perspective, like the stuff that they were showing. And it was so crisp as well, because Dragon Ball Z was quite stilted in its animation. Um, Akira was fluid. It was really smooth, like even down to the way the, their mouths moved and their, fa- and their eyes would move and they would do, like, it was really smooth. And then it just started getting violent. And I mean, properly violent. And I was just like, whoa, that's extreme. And it just kept sort of escalating. And in a way, I was sort of like, is this this what actual violence is like in anime then? And like, it made, it sort of piqued my interest, you know, as a young person who wants to see more cool, gory stuff, you want to seek it out and try it. And one thing that I truly took away from it was cartoons up until that point, they sort of left you with a sense of, ah, oh, that was a crazy adventure. Even the sad stuff would happen, like in your Disney's is sad stuff, but you come away from it like, gosh, what an adventure. I came away from Akira at my age of 10, like, whoa oh oh man <sighs> just it was nuts I, I i couldn't believe it and the use of silence in the film like there's moments of just silence and it was so strange and the use of like you know there was bad language and i suppose we'll come on to the topic of the dubs because like, I've, I've only ever seen two english dubs of it I saw the original dub once and then I've seen the, the 2001 dub. That's the one I watch all the time. It's the more readily available in the UK now. Um, spoilers. The second one is far better than the original, <laughs> but even then it was like the bad language and like the stuff they were talking about this idea of like, you know, creating universes and then that, entire, that final sequence, Holy crap. I was just like, what? the hell is happening and 
like you know up, up until that point you know your villains you're used to sort of like maybe a big explosion or something because you got a robot arm and i'm thinking oh yeah villains get robot arms and then i'm like what's happening to your robot arm it's spewing guts and it's just it's wild this whole film was was crazy and it it unlocks i think it unlocks something in me um as a fan of sci-fi as a fan of anime as a fan of cartoons um i wanted to experience it again i wanted to experience that feeling of wild beautiful visuals violence and also questioning things just asking questions and like being a bit sort of perplexed not something that a 10 year old should have to really go through but it was it was cool man and it and it's it stuck with me um and it's why I go back to it. And even though I can admit that it's not the greatest anime of all time, it is still one of the most important. In fact, I would say it's probably top five most important animes of all time. If we're just talking relevance and what it did for that genre, it's right up there. And also in terms of like, I think often, obviously, we're talking about films legacies on, you know, this podcast and the movie vault and everything like that. And even sometimes, I guess, if you were saying about like, if somebody was an animation buff, then, you know, there's certain films, that, well, you have to watch that, you know, but I guess even with certain ones, I'd be like, if that isn't your jam, fair enough, or, you know, you don't have to watch that as much as a kind of, I don't know, Wizard of Oz might be a very important film to Hollywood history. If somebody's not into musicals or those kind of like classic films, that's fair enough. But I think even this for like science fiction, I would say you have to watch this if you are a sci-fi fan, just because again, there's so much influence there that this has given other films and it's drawing from other stories um, I, you know, I wouldn't even say just a kind of like, oh, you have to watch this uh, for anime because I think that it kind of does lapse into lots of other things. So similar to Stefano's, I kind of felt that I had seen this already because of everything else I had watched. But, um, but I think when you watch it kind of from the lens of science fiction as well, I think that that's where it also becomes something very special because it's so bold with its ideas. I think it kind of it's almost like that saying, isn't it? Like Akira crawled so that uh, later films could walk, that kind of thing of like, if it wasn't for its bold ideas and the crazy themes it goes into and the stories, which a lot of anime does, then, you know, they, they might have not been that courage to go into that later on. So, you know, I think that when I watched it, it was more because of like the 4K re-release they were doing. They were shown in IMAX, they were shown in cinemas, etc. So I, you know, decided to watch it from there so it was more of a recent watch for me but um but it was definitely one that felt very familiar for me just because of all the iconography as Stefanos mentioned but I believe one of us this was like their first time watching it if I'm right yep as with most things in my life I did not enjoy this as a child mm -hmm. um insofar as I was aware of its existence because it was one of those sort of I remember it distinctly along with other projects such as Ghost in the Shell being advertised heavily in the back of various magazines I would buy Usually these would be uh, Yu-Gi-Oh comics, that kind of thing. But I didn't get around to watching it just because of accessibility to, you know, channels and DVDs and the like. So yeah, today was literally my first time watching it, uh, watching it this morning. And it's one of those things where I was able to, I was already aware of a lot of it. Like the fact that, like the fact there is a term called the Akira slide, which is just that one shot on the highway of just the bike uh, skidding to the side which is a gorgeous shot and it's one that I've seen multiple times in the past and I, I definitely enjoy and I think 
it's something that inspired one of my favorite favorite animes which i'm not going to say because people would judge me uh quite heavily for <laughs> me considering Yu-Gi-Oh 5Ds as one of my favorite animes oh god <laughs> what can i say i'm a shonen guy more than anything but but yeah no i i i did enjoy the film i think i'm glad to hear that everyone's saying it's it's obviously something that's been influential but not something that they would consider like the magnum uh magnum opus at this point because i think that i enjoyed the bold ideas i think that there are times in which those bold ideas confused me let's say um because i definitely think it's a very it can come across as a very overwhelming story especially considering the escalation you basically go from a relatively simple concept of somewhat hints of a dystopian future insofar as government control 31 years after a, a third world war good on you guys uh and it basically just escalates to psychic powers creating an absolute sort of cronenberg-esque body horror monster towards the end and i think there are times in which the links in between all of those things could be better demonstrated um just for somebody who is not fully familiar with the entirety of the breakdown of the story but I certainly don't think it's enough for me to to discredit this film and say that it's something that's bad. Just with mu- many sci-fi, it's just confusing. Chris, I was going to say I think what Akira definitely suffers from the the animated film is adaptation um, in the fact in the fact that it wasn't finished. The manga wasn't finished, and I've not read them. I'm tempted to read them, but because I feel like the stuff that he cuts out of the film, which I, I understand why, because otherwise the film probably would have been about six hours long, but the stuff he cuts out sounds so good. And it might, it might not be, I don't know. I have to read about it, but like, I know how it ends and it feels a sen- It feels basically like the first hour and a half of that film is the first volume. And then he cuts out volumes two, four, two, three, four, five. And then the last scene is the very last, like, three comics. And that's where you sort of get this sense of, like, God, did, did we miss something? And it does. I, again, I watched it the other day, and I was like, man, it feels like something massive is missing from this. It's the sort of film that if you did just stop paying attention for a few minutes, you'd be lost. But then to the writer's credit, because he did do the film and the uh, manga, he made a bold choice. Um, and I suppose the, the bold choice was that the titular Acura doesn't appear until the very end, which is pretty, pretty bloody wild. I mean, I thought it was a bold choice that when, when it first hinted at the idea of Akira appearing, it's just, oh yeah, he appeared years ago, but we sort of dissected the hell out of him and he's just all of these tubes now. I, I, my reaction to that was very much a case of, oh, wow, okay, we are literally just looking at, like, legacy just influencing a lot of this and just the real breakdown of how horrific this government is. Cool. They just chopped up a child and stuck him in a freezer. That is quite, it's just, it's a great reveal in some ways as well. There's always that kind of thing of in films, like, you know, what's behind the door and, you know, who's secretly there and all this kind of stuff. It's a pretty good version of one of those you know sometimes you're just like oh right of course it was him or like oh that's a bit dumb but you know this if it is like 
for the reasons you mentioned, very impactful in that way. And it adds to the themes, I think, is just that idea of like being driven insane and kind of like, it's almost like a commentary on that kind of trope itself of like, there needs to be this special item we need to get. And like, once we've got it, everything will be fine. And and it's not, it's actually more horrific than what you thought it was. And it would, it causes even more problems. So it kind of is very meta in that sense, I guess. But, um, but in the adaptation sense as well, that kind of almost reminds me of then, again, what we had with Dune this year of something that I even, again, I know everyone like loved Dune and I loved it again, visually, wow, what an amazing film, fantastic performances, great sound. But I was like, I, I really find it hard to like give something full credit, which like ends as like, stay tuned for part two kind of, you know, elements to it, which Dune definitely has. And I think that that kind of is what you remind, what reminded me of that in the sense that you said that, you know, there's an entire six issues or whatever, like cut out there is, you know, if there is meant to be more of a story and that kind of is apparent, then that kind of can dampen, uh, you know, the mood of a film, I guess. But, but definitely, and as as you see with its legacy, it's one of those which people say you kind of have to have multiple watches, which we've all said, you know, we've had various different ways of watching this and kind of like looking into the legacy. Um, it's definitely one of those. I don't always count that as a kind of negative because looking at some of the reviews, I think I saw somebody who said for the original release, which was like, oh, if you're not familiar with the manga, it's not going to make much sense. I don't, I never personally felt that I had I was out of the loop because I didn't want, you know, I didn't know about the manga. I think that it tells its own story within the film pretty well. I, I you know, I probably could have come out to that and I even realized it was based on a manga. Um, and I do kind of respect the, the finality of the film in that sense of how it has changed itself. Because I guess, I suppose, you know, you would know very much as well. Stefano's talking about adaptations, especially with things like books the book is always going to be the more fleshed out deep dive into worlds and, and different franchises and stories. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that it's better. I think it just works on its own, on the medium that it's supposed to be. Because the thing is with film, just like with books, you can do them in multiple different ways. But the thing is... It, if you're trying to put everything that's in one book into one film, it can be overstaffed, overbearing, and basically fantastic based the crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> it's it, because I rewatched it quite recently and I was literally going all the time, man, so many things are happening and yet nothing happens. And it's so even so. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that they're not in it. I haven't read the manga, but I know a lot of people who have, and they've always tried to explain to me in depth to what happens in it. And even though yes, I do say that a lot of the stuff could have been very interesting in in a film. I don't think they would have been better in this film. It tells the story it wants to tell, and it kind of leaves you with the messages you want. It wants to leave with you as well, which I think is important. Why its themes are so important to it, and that's always a big part of anime, and especially Japanese culture. I think as well is this the kind of commentary that they use, and that you know the the topics that they always broach, especially at that time, um, and st- still comes through now in a lot of their content. 
And it kind of reminds me again, like we was recently discussing about the Dark Knight, especially when Craig was saying there about like the type of film it is, and you know, is it this magnus magnum opus? But you know, it's it's very hard to then judge then as a film when it's kind of like this big action set piece almost. I think definitely in terms of like the animation we mentioned up the top uh chris you were saying about like how much the detail of it and i think that again even though i was saying that it's very impactful for science fiction i think obviously if you were studying animation this would be really important to to study because this is in a time in which you know you had those animated cells and that's why they're so detailed i think there's examples there of showing when the bikes are driving off and how those different layers are working with the lights and you watch it and i kind of thought to myself as much as we have things like spider-verse and stuff now in which you can watch and kind of go wow that looks amazing it's still kind of a continuation of what we've already seen but when i was kind of they watching this i i thought to myself well this is 88 you know you the the rest of the stuff that you're seeing in the cinema is disney you know you get in like fox and the hound and basil the great mouse detective and stuff like that and you know with other even animation companies, you know, you might have Land Before Time or Secret of Nim, but this must have blown people's minds because it would be something completely different, never even before seen. And even if you look at other animes that came to America, you know, they very much had their, you know, a different vibe to them. I think that this did change the game in terms of like what small part of like Western audiences were interesting with anime and kind of maybe what the assumption of anime was. You know, you look at things that came out, you know, 1976, Jack the Beanstalk was an anime that came to America. Um, you had The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon and all this kind of stuff. Uh, something else I kind of speaks somewhat to, like, what people's perception of anime is, but there was a film that came out called Cleopatra, Queen of Sex, which was an anime that came to America before uh, this one. But then you had uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which is now kind of linked to Studio Ghibli, and that kind of, I think, obviously changed things a lot because then you had Castle in the Sky, you had Grave of the Fireflies. So then those kind of paved the way for Akira. And then after Akira, then you get your kind of Ghost in the Shell and loads more famous animes came afterwards after that. And I think that that's what's good about Ghibli and stuff like that is that they very much have their own tone, their own style. Um, and Akira kind of like started this tone and style, which had elements of what anime had already brought in, but it, it paved its own way and the, the way for a lot of stuff to come. But the animation is just beautiful, ultimately. It's funny because it's the theme of a sea is it's it's they're trying to create all powerful child soldiers. They're trying to break into that next level. And I think you know the, the very start of that film is another nuclear explosion hitting Japan, and then it talks about World War Three. So right there, you're dealing with um, nuclear fallout. You're dealing with what that does to a nation. And in this alternate timeline, that's two nukes or, or two nuclear events. And you've had um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and now you've had Tokyo. So Neo Tokyo is what has spawned from it, and what it's created is a um a, a, a city that is corrupt and a city that's falling apart you know biker gangs everywhere everything is is pretty much there's terrorist attacks left right and center there's constant and and akira is uh there's moments where sort of people want they're thinking he's going to be the savior and what's really interesting is when you have the children the espers the psychic children the little 
blue children with all the wrinkles and you you find out who Akira is and he is just a boy and you have the flashbacks of these kids being taken to this facility in a little school bus and they're playing with their their toys and and then you cut to them being put under and being transformed and you see them you know using their powers to destroy televisions and you realize god these are just kids being turned into these weapons and they're constantly saying about these powerful dangerous people they're so powerful and they are powerful and in the end what i think is something that even now I, i always think about it they have to bring akira back to stop tetsuo because he is very far gone and he's not a child in that sense he's much older he has seen a lot harsher stuff as well you know he was abandoned by his folks he's been bullied he's been in gangs and he is bitter and he's always felt like the run to the litter and in the end they resort to bringing Akira back and taking him away and that big revelation the creation of the universe in the end there's that it's a weird one the line delivery it's always strange the little girl but someday we ought to be able to because it has already begun they've created their own new world and in the end of the film in the chaos that's ensued the near destruction of neo tokyo again but they survive a new world is born a new better world and it is in the end the children that did it and they use their power which was thrust upon them to save to save tetsuo to save the world and it's it's bittersweet but i think it's it's mad that in 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 the end they had to go we're too powerful we're too much we've got it we've got to go and they create their own new world and they leave what what they leave behind they leave behind for these people to rebuild and hopefully rebuild it in a better image when I first watched it, I, I was quite numb, but years later, I sort of found a bit of hope in it. And it's, it's a, it's something that I think anime does really well where they can give you that hope, but there's a lot of heavy stuff with it. You know, like it's not easy. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not going to be nice. There will be destruction. There will be death, but in the end we can stop it. We can change it. We can fix, we can fix a guy like Tetsuo who was, you know, a, a bulbous flesh monster that is just consuming kills his own girlfriend and doesn't re- doesn't even know that he's doing it at this point it's it, they stop it and they save him and canada has those flashbacks of tetsuo's memory and he realizes just how important he was to him and how much he did mean to him um he sees the children's memories he sees what akira was he was just a boy he wasn't this terror he's not thanos he's not dark side he's a boy and it's so it's a tragedy it's it's but it's i i think the ultimate theme taken away from akira is what we can achieve if we don't try and kill each other don't try and destroy each other just try and do something good with all the stuff we have we or even just i guess why i respect about it as well is aside from those big massive themes again when you go in down the element of like you know 
experimentation warfare and stuff like that at the core of it like you said and even the film does it to a sense of like he's falling through this kind of like universe and everything like that and he finds himself in memories it's almost saying itself that this at its core is just somebody that was maybe having a bad day had a bad moment and it's just spiraled out of control it's about how like emotion and stuff like that can overtake somebody and how it can become something bigger it's not like you said this kind of i want to be evil i want to get revenge on what happened to me when i was young it's just a kind of like overwhelming kind of emotion um and use of kind of like uh resentment and kind of feelings that have you know build up you know in that way so i kind of respect in that way that 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 was kind of there at its its core which i think is is very impressive to the film and that's why i kind of love about those kind of themes as well and yeah the, i think that the you know the children play like a great part within that and you know definitely the kind of like manicness that you see within neo tokyo and how it builds to it there's obviously those elements of like you know the rich and like when that guy is literally there like running away with his bag of money and papers and they're all flying around and literally that shot when he's like stuffing his mouth with pills and he's just there like choked on them and then there's that guy who's like all like bloody and like shot and stuff i'm like that's like moments in which you're like okay this is definitely for adults and it's very iconic in its sort of detail in this animation when you see uh when you see stuff like that the fun for me was just and i think this is why i think i I think they generally did a good uh job especially with the sort of biker gang teens and the children it's because i just recognized a lot of the voice actors from digimon and just that crossover was just really fun for me to sort of point out especially considering uh you have like some of the actual digitestins as like the actual actual main teens um so i was yeah i was just having fun fun with that but also just funimation of one of the companies that just generally tend to pay their voice actors better in comparison to other dubbing uh dubbing companies it's one of the reasons why four kids for a while was also uh very good at voice performance their writing of dubs was terrible but their voice performances were always always very good because they just paid them well above average. So that's why I imagine a lot of the dubs that other people would see are just bad because it is just people half-assing it because they're not being paid significantly well. Whereas with with a lot of these other companies, they do actually try and put in effort. See, that's why I struggled with the when I switched over to the English because I was like, that's Ty from... I was like, I can't take him seriously as this damaged, like, angry kid. It's like, it's... Do you it not know like... who Ty is in Digimon, <laughs> Well, that's though. what made he it even more... damaged dist- kid. That's what I mean. That's what made it even more distracting because I was like, it seems like the same character almost. So it's like almost as if it's like him and Matt <laughs> having an argument like him and, you know, Kanada. It was, so, it was weird in that yeah, sense. Yeah, so the voice of Ty's in it, the voice of Joe's in it. Yeah. The voice of Leomon is an extra. Uh, the voice of Jedi is the old guy that, ah, that dies by stuffing himself with pills. That's where I recognized it from. And also from season two, uh, Oikawa, the guy who's the host of Malo Myotismon, is the general. Uh, Jamie, I believe his name is Jamie David Stevenson. I'm happy to be corrected on that, but he's one of my favorite sort of anime voiceovers. I also think there's a touch of Steve Bloom at points in this film. Probably. He usually creeps in there. but I And I think as well, because of, again... But also, the, the only thing I felt that you did miss out in the dub is that, like, some of the crowd scenes and stuff like that, there's more, like obvious kind of like he's working for the government and stuff like that like whereas it was a bit more like in the sound mix with the japanese version or you know that guy who was like uh being carried around on the like 
seat and then they get like drowned and like they were part of those like crazy protesters like in the dub i felt that like he was kind of getting drowned out he was just there like just saying like nonsense whereas like in the japanese one i was like i felt that he was like there was a lot more emphasis on him being like the fires will come and we will all repent and all this kind of stuff so that was the only thing i felt that like was missed out in that sense in the dub All right, grab those cassette tapes and rewind them again because it's time for VHS Corner. So this week I'll be looking at some of the mostly production aspects of this film. Yeah, so usually with anime you obviously have the very cheap technique of just uh, lip flaps, which is basically just they take three individual frames. So they have a mouth closed, mouth half open, mouth fully open, and basically intersplice to indicate the idea of uh, of talking. Um... The reason that this film doesn't necessarily have that to a significant degree is because they've actually gone for a more American approach insofar as the voices were all recorded first and then animated to actually suit the voices. This was generally a, uh, a first for Japanese anime in general because uh, obviously they, they just use that process for the sake of it being cheaper. But here, I think insofar as the production quality that they were going for, they obviously wanted it to be a more authentic experience, so they went for that. Going on then to other production aspects. Uh, in total, this film probably had about two to three times more actual shots and single pictures than a lot of anime necessarily would. Insofar as in total, it had 2,212. Just missing a two there, as opposed to the one. Um shots in total and in terms of single pictures they had uh around 160,000. what's also quite notable uh in comparison to a lot of other anime is that they use they ended up using a combination of 327 different colors 50 of which were exclusively made for the film itself uh a large part of this is because a lot of the film takes place at night which is a which is an uncommon setting for a lot of anime so they had to do a lot more production uh, had to do a lot more production requirement because obviously the idea of shadow and lighting means there's got to be a lot of different colors involved and also very similar to why uh why animation tactics have to be different for something like batman the animated series insofar as they had to change the way in which they animated going instead of animating on white paper and making it black they animated on black paper and just colored on top of it so on to a couple of lesser things the scene just before the final scene before the credits, uh, where you basically have the black circles, I thought it was a really cool effect, and it was one of my favorite effects in the film. That's actually just a pencil test. It is just a very basic test that they decided to actually include because it fits uh, it fits the overall aesthetic of the film, and I think it was a great choice. It was something that I watched the film thinking, how was that done? Why was it done? And just to find out it's a pencil test is actually quite funny. Looping back around then to our discussion of uh, live adaptations, there was one planned around the 1990s that Sony was going to be doing. The reason they ended up scrapping the idea is because uh, they had a projected budget, which let's say they weren't happy with it insofar as, was it around 100 million? No. 200 million? No. It would have cost them a net worth of 300 million US dollars to do. So they decided, let's not do it. And finally then, uh, the distributor for this uh, for this film, uh, when it came to the US and other Western releases, 
uh, with streamlined pictures. Um, the reason this happened is because some big names uh, previously said that the film was unmarketable in the US. And I wondered, I'm interested to see if anyone could guess who these directing legends of the of the Western world necessarily would be. I hope not, but is it Spielberg? Steven Spielberg and George Lucas both said that this film yeah. was unmarketable in the US. So yeah, those are everything that I was able to find out about the film. So yeah, discuss. I think the reason they said that is because of the violence. I think that's the main reason they said that. But no, I give them the benefit of the doubt, and I think it's because they didn't have faith in the American audience. Yeah, again, it comes down to that sophistication, that kind of level of like serious themes and you know like are people willing to kind of get on on board with this i think um also like and i think the fact that the original the live action adaptation which is going to be like three hundred thousand, is quite uh no interesting uh 300 million sorry i was gonna say if it's three hundred thousand, i'd do that come on yeah. the bank loans. <laughs> uh, that that's probably one of those netflix uh live action adaptation budgets um but yeah like 300 million is interesting considering then that like this is one of the most you know was one of the most expensive animes up until that point as well so it's almost that this project just has a history of being like it has to be expensive it's all about detail right i mean given that every single shot was crafted in a particular way in which was probably antithetical to how anime was done up until that point right i think there's been a lot of commentary on just how smooth the animation is even after all this time it's been able to be digitally remastered in a way that you don't get sort of the discrepancy effect that a lot of older anime does insofar as the camera seems to wobble because there isn't a consistency of uh keeping those frames together it's just going to be an expensive process and to have it in comparison <laughs> another film they had a is that kind of budget, 300 million, <laughs> it's Justice League. Not Snyder Cut, the Blasted Dice with the Josh Whedon one. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, to be honest, I get it. Like, do we, I get the amount for back then, because like, we all just said that if we were, if we were going to make live action, it would be very specific, very particular, and you would need to have very good backing in the matter of safety so yeah and seeing that something like the old masterpiece justice league <laughs> cost that much i'm like well sometimes a budget doesn't mean quality so who no. knows? and i think the fear would be as well in the hands of somebody like uh, you know, Villeneuve who did Dune and Blade Runner 2049, there's again, well, at least there's that artistry to it. There's that kind of like balance of live action and CG. Whereas I think there would be a, a kind of fear that it would just be a CGI fest because so much of it is, would have to be like imagined and, and recreated, you know, created, etc. that you couldn't realistically create much of that film at all i think even you know as much as i love like physical sets and stuff like that i think even some of the sets would you would like struggle to not look at and go oh that's a set um because i think that it's even more detailed than something like blade runner that you know that world is 
is so late you know it's it's almost as if you watch it and you're like yeah that's like china or japan or something you would almost have to like shoot on location in some kind of like very run down place but again you know would it also look futuristic that that is the problem i think so yeah definitely one you can understand the like challenges that they would come across and one that i can understand why lucas and spielberg would say that because again they're kind of like they understand that american audience but they also understand big budget pictures and i guess that's what's interesting as well is that kind of difference between the kind of worlds they're involved with if you look at something also like lord of the rings there's elements of like oh this is about gods and like gandalf and all these rings and these rulers of you know like demons and from like faraway worlds but on the surface level it's just you know a little hobbit needs to destroy an evil ring all the rest of it is kind of background to that the same with star wars is like the force is like oh it's this mystical power you know but if you look into the background it's like oh it's the you know it created life it's metachlorians all this kind of stuff there's loads of layers and like history behind it but it's in the background whereas these sort of films they kind of wear that on their sleeve they're very much like it's it's there straight away there's no kind of like tiptoeing around it it's very much like oh it's about existence and the universe and everything like that there's no kind of like base layer to that it's just the complex stuff is the first layer (laughs) you know we go on to the legacy now as we talk about uh whether it deserves a place into our movie vault and gaining that kind of like honor of being remembered for all time, especially in the sense of, again, we've talked about its legacy, you know, how much it's influenced cinema. And uh, I guess this is a, a chance for you guys to talk about, you know, any other notes you have on its kind of like legacy and and how much uh, impact it's made. So, uh, Chris, what, you know, as, you know, probably maybe the biggest fan of this film, Hugh, what, what, what would you say? I think for me personally, um, and from reading a lot of reviews and what people have said, I, I, I don't like to speak behalf on people, but I would say, had it not been for Acura, I don't think, maybe, not that these shows wouldn't have existed, but I don't think they wouldn't have been, they would have been as successful, but I don't think there would be things like Cowboy Bebop or Outlaw Star or um, even like modern animes to this day. You know, I think, and and I think it wouldn't have allowed things like Berserk to get to the level that it got to. Um, like I said, I I, I would not consider myself a, a uh, an anime um, fanatic, but I am a fan, and I am a fan because of Akira. Akira, as a film, made me go, I want to see more of this. Not necessarily this story, but this style this um these themes i want to see more animated films like this and not yeah again not just anime animated films um it made me realize that anime is not just for kids it's and it's not just for telling colorful stories it can be used the same way that we use film and it's to tell very amazing and impressive stories and it has influenced so much it's influenced me as a as a writer and as a someone who when I if when I want to be if I want to go into film you know I think to myself I'd love to if I did voice acting I'd love to be a voice actor in a film like Akira because it's just so cool it's it's influenced cinematography I think cinematography has now reached a level that it can be like Akira was it doesn't necessarily mean that the film will be like it because there's, there's there's a difference between the two but 
I think, and again, I said it earlier, is it the greatest of all time? No, I think it has been superseded, but its influence and its importance in the world of anime and animation, it's right up there. It is an incredible film. I love it. I think it's it's brilliant. Um, and I will. I, it's one of the. It's a film I can just put on and watch. And I always think if a, if it's a film that I can just put on and watch, it's done its job. And one hundred percent, it deserves to be in the vault. I think yeah, and and a lot of things you reminded me there of like which stuff that stands out to me as well. Like it's soundtrack, such a like I you know yeah. impactful and crazy sound to it. That again, like Dune or you know a lot of those kind of films in which it really goes out there has something very impactful, very strange, very different. Again, and that's why I can imagine when you watched it back in the eighties or whatever, it was like what the hell is this? You know. So I think that that is something that stands out, but also the violence, as you mentioned, the kind of like when that man gets gunned down at the beginning, literally like all the blood splashing out of him, there's nudity, there's, you know, almost like an attempted sort of like rape, etc. It goes there. And so again, that I think, as I mentioned earlier, when you're looking at the history of some of the animes that come out in America, there very much was that idea of like, oh, well, it's very sexual and it's very like elaborate and stuff, but not in maybe like a sort of more tasteful way or in a kind of like in in a, a serious way in which it was kind of like doing you know more commentary or rather than rather than trying to be cool or quite, kind of edgy so yeah and I, I think when i look at it i think i think why christopher nolan has always been kind of like thrown around with that kind of adaptation part is that you wouldn't get something like inception without akira i think that it's very much again that kind of like bold big ideas of like what if you were to go into a person's brain and you know like what if you would go into their dreams i think it's that similar element of like you know what if somebody had the power of the universe within their body it's it's that kind of thinking which i think nolan is from as well and i think that you see that like filmmakers like rian johnson and stuff have said that they've been inspired from and as we've already mentioned that there's so much of this film within other ones so i definitely agree that you know it deserves its place as as to why we're talking about it you know this week i guess is because of our legacy and because it's been re-released so many times and as you know different anniversaries and restorations etc uh stefano so you know what, what what's your sort of take on it it's very interesting you mentioned nolan because I remember watching Tenet and the experience I had of Tenet in the end, which is basically a migraine, is exactly how I felt when I watched Akira for the first time, but properly first time. And, you know, with the idea of the philosophical themes of it. And by the end of it, it will be like, I have no idea what it means. <laughs> and, and Tenet, I do think Tenet is one of those other examples that I mentioned of a live action film that is technically an anime because it obeys no rules. <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? It, and it's just for that. I think Akira deserves to be what it is. And also the fact that something I didn't mention before that I should have heard is the fact that Akira, especially for its time, it was a commentary on the Cold War at the time. It was about the the fear of the nuclear power, um, especially because it was it got released two years after the Chern the Chernobyl disaster. Um, the also eighties was this very peculiar year of both of being both progressive but also extremely conservative, and 
And all of those things can be seen in there. I mean, like we said about the whole religious aspect of uh, of Akira very much being this very ludicrous, over-obsessive cult to some extent of how religious groups were in the 80s and especially the creation of a lot of cults at the time. And yeah, there's a lot of there, which I don't even think the uh, the, the director inten- intended. But if you do look at the history of the 80s, especially in the Western world, there is a, it seems there's be a lot of that. And, and Akira overall is this time capsule to it, to the period of its time, to its genre, to the multiple genres beyond anime. And just for that, I would say really deserves to be remembered. With that said, and you did mention about Pool Kaori and the bloody treatments he gets in this film. And to be fair, that is one of the aspects that I wasn't a big fan. The fact that she was the kind of sort of archetype that a lot of anime do of this secondary female character and basically being the punching bag for everyone else. That's definitely one aspect that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, But I do see why they did it because it is very much a victim of that world. But still, it's like, not going to lie, after after if you watch a lot of anime, seeing that archetype multiple times, you kind of get tired of it and call it a problem. It becomes a trope, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Craig? I mean, there's just no question at this point. Are we are we also going to make the joke of the time capsule that Steph put there? He's like, oh, Akira is very much a time capsule. And I'm like, yeah, he is. That The film showed us that. You know, we saw all his body parts in different jars frozen. <laughs> That's a dead child, David. Don't be so f***ing sick. Uh, yeah, I think this, you know, it very much was a given. But I think, you know, we've talked a lot there. And, and a lot of reasons as why it should be remembered as well as just kind of like, oh, it's Akira. It's one of the most famous animes of all time. But yeah, it, I would probably say go to this if you want to see why dark, crazy animated films of the 80s are so dark and crazy go to this for your kind of like how it influenced science fiction and anime and animation and yeah go to it for that kind of just sci-fi high and just for those big ideas and themes that it has so for all of those reasons uh, into the movie vault goes akira from 1988 <laughs> Endogame,時間。このゲームでは、私の愛語前と呼ばれています。I trust this. I trust there's no explanations needed there. You know, I've started this new show. It's called Tokyo Vice, and it takes place in Tokyo. And we're following Ansel Eggert, who speaks Japanese. And I don't know if he speaks good or not. But now listen to you, Greg. You speak exactly <laughs> the same as Ansel Eggert in Japanese, so I think I know where I'm standing. Great. Fantastic. Uh, glad to see we are both great voice actors. <laughs> okay, end game time. The game we're playing this week is What Is My Name in English? Because what I love about animes is that a lot of them do have very simple names. Some of them have sort of grandiose names. 
But the, this sort of naming tradition is one that they also try and bring to uh, Western films that they show in Japan, insofar as they'll basically rename them because of translations as well. And they come out, when you then retranslate them back into English, they come out as some really interesting things. So what I've done is I found a couple of my favourites. Uh, I'm going to tell you what the retranslated version is, and I want you to tell me what you think the original film is. So how this will be done is you'll just send me, just send it to me in a private message. You'll get, you'll get a point if it's correct. I'm also going to keep a second secret score of who is the fastest. So in the event of a tie break, whoever's been the overall fastest throughout the entire game will be declared the winner. Is everyone clear on the rules? <laughs> okay, so before we get into that, I think it's now the opportunity uh, for David and I to be talking through what you'll be playing for. So, as per usual, what you'll be playing for is the choice of film being discussed in next week's episode. So it'll either be my suggestion, David's suggestion, or a suggestion of your own. Obviously, it in some way needs to relate to this episode and the types of conversations that we've been having. So, just to give them an idea of what they could be choosing, David, talk them through some of the basic details of your film. Uh, so, my film is one that we've kind of alluded to in some way or form um i don't think it's been specifically mentioned but definitely from a certain studio and we've talked a lot about legacy and you know is it the best anime of all time in terms of akira well this is definitely one thrown in there and i think it would be fun to talk about just to to kind of like mention that is like is it the best you know you know when we're comparing it to akira after this one what does that film do differently has it maybe come out better or worse i think it's one that definitely when we're on this anime train is very fun to go down and kind of explore and very much celebrates japanese culture it's from 2001 and yeah i think it's a a definite go-to for its legacy as for me uh i'm getting off the anime train because i i i like to enjoy it at different stops along the way what i've chosen is a film from 2019 which is very much a i think taking us away from the realm of sci-fi and fantasy, very much going into uh, a very realistic interpretation of the small-scale aspect of some of the issues that we actually look at uh, in the film. So we look at the sort of uh, totalitarian control over a certain uh, certain group of people and the ways in which they intera- interact with this, as well as a particular fascination with vehicles, because I think that's something that we haven't talked about with Akira, is obviously there's a lot of iconography about the bikes, Uh, So what I've chosen very much has a very definite feel around the idea of vehicles specifically. What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you want to find out, win the endgame and then choose what the film is. Yeah, I'm literally going through all the films of that year in my head, (laughs) trying to like, oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Okay, so let's now actually get into the game. So are you ready for entry number one? Just to make sure, uh, is it going to be titles of shows or films? These are all films. Okay, good. Okay. So I'm going to start you off with a very easy one. There should be absolutely uh, no excuse for getting this one wrong. This one is Grandpa Carl's Flying House. Okay, so we've gone for two different answers. Chris, what do you think it is? Howl's Moving Castle. And Steph? Up. So, is it Howl's Moving Castle? Oh. Is it Up? 
It is indeed up. <laughs> Just a reminder to Chris, these are all going to be films made in the West coming over to Japan. <laughs> Howl's Moving Castle, famously from Japan. <laughs> a good test one, I think, that, that one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that caught me off guard. <laughs> what I will say is some of these I've given you a small clue alongside, and this is one of those entries. So are you ready for number two? Okay. Hi. So which Adam Sandler film in Japan is titled If You Could Choose Yesterday? Okay. You've both gone for the same answer. So what is the film? It's Click. Click. And Steph thinks it's Click. And is it Click? Yep. It is Click. Haven't seen that film. Really? No, I've not seen it. I want to, though. I've heard good things. Oh, I mean, it's terrible, but in a good way. Yeah, it was when, oh. it, it, was when it came out. I was kind of like, I don't need to see this film. I've seen enough of it, just in trailers and clips. It's, a, it's an Adam Sandler film. I think that's all that needs to be said for me. Number three, The Sniper Without a Shadow. If it helps, I think this is one of the hardest ones. Mm. So it realistically shouldn't get harder than this one. Three, two... Ah. <laughs> Okay. Chris, what did you go for? American Sniper. It's the only sniper film I could think of. Steph? Yeah, same. It's, I don't know. It's, it's... Is it American Sniper? It's the Manchurian Candidate. What? Wait. Oh my god. I would have... Wait. The original version, I should say, because... Uh, there's a remake of The Manchurian Candidate, which has a completely different name in Japan, which is Crisis in America. Okay, number four. So this first word is in all capitals and preceded with three exclamation marks. I'm going to tell you that now because it's going to be hard for me to really represent in an audio form. Okay, ready? Go with bath. What's wrong with the Japanese people? Sorry, did you say go with bath? Yeah. So mm. the object or the place, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because how many American films have been made about the, the city of Bath? Exactly. <laughs> David, obviously without saying, do you have any idea what this could be? I, I Like in my head, I'm just thinking of films that have like Bath's in the poster but then i'm like yeah but then i'm like but then that's not in the name so oh like i'm not sure if that would be then in a translation okay so steph what did you go for (laughs) hot tub time (laughs) (laughs) chris what did you go for i went with what lies beneath oh that's a good one but yours i oh so I can tell you that one of those answers is correct. Oh, God. <laughs> and the correct answer is... Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. That's brilliant. Yeah, so the idea of it is is you are going places with the bath or the hot tub. That's what I thought. That's... Oh, my. Oh, this is so stupid. Actually, better title. Yeah. Speaking of better title, the next uh, the next film we have on the list is simply Best Kid. 
So it's a lie. So it has to be the worst kid. <laughs> well, it needs to be a kid of some form, I would have assumed. Hmm. I think the original title, it's a name of the kid. But because it's a name, American names don't usually translate well in Japanese. Yeah, is it like Billy the Kid or something? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Or something like, I don't know, Billy Elliot translates to Dancing Boy. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. I think this is the dumbest one on the list. Okay, uh, Steph, what did you go for? Coco. And Chris? The Golden Child. Ooh. Okay, so is it Coco? Is it Golden Child? <sighs> really stupidly, it's the Karate Kid. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Why did karate get translated out? Okay. Are we ready for number six? Uh, so, which Gwyneth Paltrow film is this? My lover is a sex addict. Don't watch many Gwyneth Paltrow movies. I have seen a lot of them, so now I'm like really going through all the whole thing. Um... So, Chris, what did you go for? Shallow Hell. Okay. Seth, what did you go for? Shakespeare in Love. Is it Shallow Hal? Is it Shakespeare in Love? It's Thanks for Sharing. Oh. I can see it. Uh, now we're on to number seven. So all I will say about this is that the name of this film for me, adequately describes the quality of the film. The Japanese audience got the film Amy, Amy, Amy. <laughs> I wonder who it is. <laughs> so what film is that describing? Uh, God, what? I think that's it. I'm going to say uh, you're both correct. Yeah. So Chris, what is this film? Trainwreck. It is indeed a train wreck. <laughs> so I'm assuming the Japanese just don't have a name for train, like name for train wreck. Maybe they're like, we love our trains too much for this to happen. <laughs> I was going to say the trains are too efficient. It's like, what is this concept of trains yeah. and crashing? Exactly. Yeah. They probably went. She's. She, they were like, no, we can't. That's disrespectful. to Train wrecks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's another point to both of you. At this point in the game, we're about halfway through. And the scores are Chris has two and Steph has four. So it's still everything to play for. Number eight. Until the six-year-old me becomes an adult. If this is how this translates, it's like, what? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Because six years old is a very specific age. I, I can't lie. I think this is easy. I'm, I'm slightly stunned that neither of you have sent me an answer. Yeah, but it's six. Like all the other characters that I think of, they're like 10 or 12. Or even 13. It feels like it's a coming-of-age movie. I'm just trying to figure out which one. <laughs> oh, ooh, 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 ooh. Bugger, I've helped the wrong person. <laughs> Last chance, Chris. Uh, 
Ugh. Crap. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a name. I can't think of a name. All right, Steph, tell him what it is. Boyhood. Um. Yep. Mother. It is Boyhood. Because obviously filmed over several years and it's basically a, literally a guy growing up. Yeah. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, thanks, Chris. <laughs> uh, that is the ultimate coming of age. Just film. to be clear, like you weren't even aware that it was going to be a coming of age story. <laughs> no, no, Steph, this is at you. Like, how did you not know with a name of like until the six year old me becomes an adult? It's not about I a think coming he was of age. Probably story. thinking down the same vein as me though. With like big, it seemed like they yeah. like changed. You know, just suddenly, not you know. <laughs> I was thinking of one fantastical element, like, <laughs> okay. you know, big, or 13.30, yeah. or the yeah. Adam Project. <laughs> what, I, what I am going to do is I'm going to give Chris half a mark, because uh. I feel like I feel like that is deserved insofar as he contributed towards the right answer. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, cool. yeah fair enough. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not gonna... The next one, um, if you're close, you will also get a half mark. But this is a very specific film. But there are other films that it also could be. So if you get one of those, I'll give you half a mark. Ready? Wild Speed X2. God damn it. <laughs> okay, so I will say that both of you have gone for the correct franchise. Chris, what did you go for? I went for Too Fast, Too Furious. Okay, and Steph? Fast and Furious, well, it will be the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Okay. So is it Too Fast, Too Furious? Okay. Yep. Because the idea of it being X2 is times two. So it's Too Fast, Too Furious. It was either that or Triple X. Yep. So, yeah. Steph, I think you'll be happy to hear that the uh, what Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is in Japan, it's Wild Speed Tokyo Drift. That's what I was remembering. I was remembering it was something very stupid. So you could, and I thought it was that one. So you could see why I wasn't necessarily keen on, you know, using that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I think my favorite one, which I've found, is Fast Five. Have you seen this one, Craig? Probably, but Wild what is Speed, it? Mega Max. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10. The Man Who Was Imprisoned on the Moon. Steph, what did you go for? Moon. And Chris? Man on the Moon. Oh. Is there even a film called Man on the Moon? As in, like, the 1920s mm-hmm. silent short film? Is that what you're on about? <laughs> the, like, Lumiere or whatever the French one? No, no, isn't it's that the Jim Carrey film. Jim Carrey film about um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy Kaufman. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. Okay. Is it that? It's not that. <laughs> is it? Is it Moon? It's Moon. It is. It is indeed Moon. So congrats. You have found the British film on this list. Hmm. Good one. Okay. Are we ready for number 11? Malkovich's Hole. <gasps> I don't even know I'm spelling his name right. <laughs> yep, this is the one that David really wanted. Uh, you have both gone for the same answer. Chris? Being John Malkovich. It is indeed being John Malkovich. 
how it goes into Malkovich's hole <laughs> is beyond me. And it's literally hole as in H-O-L-E. <laughs> I mean, there is a hole that you go into John Malkovich, so it's not true. Uh, um, true. true. It's just there a, an bit, cre- a intro bit creepy. <laughs> okay. Next up, Bus Man. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> go for it. <laughs> You've both gone for the same answer. Steph, what's what's the answer? Speed. <laughs> oh, really? David, do you know what it is? Yep. <laughs> David, tell him what it is. Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact of this one as well. Yep, go for it, David. Uh, the title translation was apparently so bad the 20th Century Fox issued an apology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're now on number 13, and this is my personal favorite one. This is a film starring John C. Riley and Jonah Hill, and this film in Japan was presented as My Important Person and Her Shitty Son. <laughs> That is the best title ever. Oh, still waiting on one answer. Well, but why, which film is it though? God damn it. I think that's the title at least. I'm assuming Chris finds it so much funnier on the basis of he's probably got the film right. <laughs> so just thinking about the film in retrospect. Steph, any advancement on an answer? Oh, dude, I don't know. Like, I'm really trying to think. Like, now I'm trying to think of all the films that those two are together. And I'm like... Well, you've not got long because I'm going to time out in five. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I think it's the joke. Oh yeah, sorry. It's the it's the joke that we we Greeks say all the time because okay. it sounds like the country. Okay. Uh, yeah, you got there, Chris. What's the film? Cyrus. It's Cyrus. Yeah, because we make the joke that it sounds like Cyprus. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Sense. Next up. So this is translated into something which is a plot point in this film, but it's not actually the central plot of the film, if you get what I mean. It's called Fortune Cookie. What has a fortune cookie? I'm just thinking of all the films that have fortune cookies in them now. Um, God damn it. Is it recent? No. Hmm. It's a film that's been remade at least once. And this is what it was. The remake was called. I am confusion. Okay, fascinating. All right, I'm going to go for the timeout. Ah, uh, 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 wrong. One. Chris has submitted nothing. Nah. <sighs> just to be clear, what did you think it could have been? Because you were just like you, they surely they wouldn't have called it that. The only thing that came to my mind with fortune cookies coming of age was it chapter two. It chapter two, okay. Um, <laughs> I'll accept that as an answer, Steph. Uh, I, I just wrote big only because we mentioned it earlier. Okay, is it big? Is it it chapter two? 
David, tell them what it is. Freaky Friday. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see. I've now. I've not seen Freaky Friday, so yeah. Fair enough. Sometimes that's necessary. Okay, yeah. now we're on to the final one, and this is my favorite title because of just how needless it is. Are we ready for this? Battlefield Pianist. No. <laughs> no. What? I hope I'm wrong. I think Chris hopes that too. Yeah, I think if I'm thinking the same thing, I'm... I got nothing. Okay, so Chris is... Steph, the moment of truth. Oh, God. Please tell me it's not the pianist. Is it the pianist? Oh, it's God. the pianist. Oh, my God. Man, that, I didn't want to say that because I thought, surely not. Nope, Did they just get was. mixed up with that and Battlefield Earth or something? That's that's what I sort of thought. But yeah, I don't understand why they thought that was an okay thing to do. Ugh. David, what were you hoping I would give? I hope it was going to be... I was hoping it was going to be the James Bond one. Did you see this? I did see it. Uh, by all just means, how tell blunt them. it is. <laughs> tell D- them. 007 dies twice. <laughs> which is you only live twice (laughs) it comes across very differently in that context (laughs) okay so the final scores then with five and a half we have chris but the winner with nine is steph congratulations yay i recognize terrible titles yay (laughs) so obviously with that you now have the opportunity to choose what film we discuss for next week so, will it be David's? Will it be mine? Or do you have a suggestion of your own that you'd like us to tackle? I have a suggestion, but I'm really intrigued by yours, Greg. I'm not going to lie. So, I was thinking, because we talked about anime and sort of specific genre of anime that kind of became very popular and it reintroduced the anime genre to the Western audience... I was thinking something similar, but a bit more recent. And because we talked about Akira trying to become another victim of the live-action machine, this film that I have is unfortunately going to suffer that. And this director is also going to make a new film, and it's going to be released later on this year. And that film is... Your name, as I was thinking something a bit more contemporary. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and also, we did, it was so one of the answers was Ricky Friday, and your name has the body swap thingy plot. So I thought that, that would have been interesting. But you know what? I, wanted, I want you guys to watch something new and make you do homework. So I choose your name, the film, not your guy's name. Okay. No, to be fair, your name is something I've I've known about for a little bit and have been interested in watching anyway. So yeah, this works up my alley. And is also, again, quite often in those like kind of like anime lists and stuff like that. And yeah, a great example, as you were saying earlier, because part of me thought, oh, maybe we'll go for something like Whisper of the Heart to go with that kind of more down-to-earth anime vibe, uh, which obviously this still has something like fantastical to it. But, um, but yeah, very different 
sort of approach with the kind of more like school setting etc which uh, anime often goes with as well so yeah yeah and also the director is having a new film coming out later this year uh called the uh, suzuma locking up the doors and said it is one of my anticipated films of the year and, and i really love this director and all his work so yeah and i thought to introduce you guys to something new um especially to this kind of animation because i believe that Disney kind of bore me now with the realistic backgrounds and becoming like closer to real life, but something that we all named as a bit more uh, realistically beautiful, I would say, not realistic as our world. Okay, awesome. So if you want to watch along at home with us, then Your Name uh, from 2016 can be uh, found on Netflix at the moment. So again, much like Akira, you can catch a lot of uh, animes on Netflix. Uh, you can also, of course, rent it uh, on many rental services if you don't if you're not subscribed to Netflix, um, or you can find it on physical media. So if you want to watch along with us at home, if you've seen it before, if you're a big fan uh, and if you want to join in that conversation or whether it deserves to go in the movie vault, go check it out uh, now and you can catch up then when we get to our next episode. So congratulations, Steph. Uh, we look forward to talking about it. Uh, your name in the next episode we're not talking again about your name <laughs> this is like the snatch thing again isn't it craig <laughs> but a lot less innuendo um it's but... nowhere near as bad as snatch i just think you need to be <laughs> clever yeah so um but yeah it's been uh, an amazing conversation talking all about anime which will now continue into the next episode and uh thank you both for joining us uh so obviously this is where we get to find out where we can catch you guys so Chris, uh, I know obviously the world of acting is kind of back in full swing in some sense now that the pandemic's starting to ease. So what have you got going on and uh, where can the people find you? Um, so I've just come off a three-week stretch of plays, um, in two in the Dolmen in Newport, but also been back up and running with Dramatic Moose Productions. Uh, we're currently waiting on a results of a competition. We just entered the debut performance of a new play um but to keep abreast with uh, what dramatic moose is doing we're hoping to get back to it this year you can find us on facebook at dramatic moose productions on twitter at dramatic underscore moose and instagram at dramatic underscore moose and if you want to check out any of our work you can go to our youtube dramatic moose where two of our plays have been uploaded for you to watch and a lot of our audio projects and some links to our uh, films that we have co-produced with other productions production companies in and around cardiff Awesome. Go check them out. And uh, yeah, you've been busy as I have, Chris, as well. I saw much like myself. You've been graduating as well. That's another thing that's returned now with the easing of the pandemic. Congratulations. Yeah, PGCE. Uh, I'm a postgraduate. I'm a teacher. But uh, as my dad and I joked, I should try and go for the whole set and get a master's. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Doc, Dr. Chris uh, Maxwell, maybe in the future. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> And uh, Stefanos, uh, what have you been up to? Where can the people catch you? Uh, I've been working a lot. Um, adulthood sucks, but you know, necessity. Uh, funny enough, you say about graduations, I actually work for those graduations. Uh, so if you have any complaints, don't complain to me. <laughs> don't. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Stefan Things, where I don't really say much. I just retweet 
you know, seems about Mads Mikkelsen and a lot about Korean stuff, especially about Pachinko and other shows that I'm watching. And if you, and over there, you can find a link for my letterbox, which I make no reviews, but short comments for every film I watch and try to catalog it. Uh, most of the times, this stupid, silly things, sometimes very clever, sometimes intuitive, and other times just simping about Matt Mikkelsen. <laughs> yeah. uh, beyond that, I am, I have some ideas for some articles. I, unfortunately, due to real life, I'm not able to do everything, but hopefully by the end of this month, I will have a piece or two ready to be published. Awesome. Well, we look forward to it. And uh, yeah, and also uh, talking about your suggestion with your name in the next episode. Uh, so that is going to be a really fun conversation. We've had a great time talking about the legacy of Akira and talking all about anime and then getting some crazy uh, Japanese names for uh, movies out there as well, which is always fun. And uh, we hope to have you guys back soon, um, especially as you are both uh, former contestants in Endgames as well. So you were putting your your previous experience to the test there. Uh, anything lastly from yourself, Craig? Yeah, I think that there needs to be one big round of applause and just, you know, give a massive hand out there. So, uh, you know, big congrats and like, well done to my Japanese skills. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! <laughs> I did great. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you again to Chris and Stefanos. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey. Bye-bye. Bye now. To keep up with the latest episodes of Well Good Movies, you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe, and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Well Good Movies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes, as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. And if all of that isn't enough, you can also find us at our website, freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies, where you can catch all our episodes along with videos and articles deep diving into the worlds of film and television. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's episode. <laughs>